Here we are nine months into the legalization of cannabis and the battle to wipe out the black market continues. Here in Toronto, a chain of illegal pot shops has been thriving. It's called Cafe. There are four locations in the city and police estimate each store is making up to $50,000 a day selling illegal weed. Adrian Gobriel is one of my colleagues at City News. He recently joined our sister podcast, The Big Story, to dig a little deeper into Cafe and the struggle to shut it down. We'd like to share it with you as a bonus episode right here on The Legal Podcast. Today, we present the story of an illegal marijuana dispensary in Canada's largest city, where legalization is going just great. It's been an uphill battle for police and bylaw officers trying to shut down this chain of illegal pot shops. The cafe, it was raided twice last week as we've been reporting. And as you can see behind me, it's back in business. It has become a common sight at cafe shops around the city. Large concrete blocks blocking access to the unlicensed marijuana dispensaries. Okay, so every uh, so often we are seeing a big black SUV stop in front of cafe here and a group of people getting in. And these are potential customers that are being shuttled to other cafe locations. I want to know why Toronto police are being used in such a heavy-handed manner to enforce what is fundamentally a licensing issue. These people help people with medical conditions like anxiety, like pain disorders. There's a billion different other things. I'm a tax-paying Toronto citizen and I fully support this. As you can see, or hear, nine months after we legalized it, the black market for pot has not gone away. We're not just talking about cafe either. So why hasn't it? What's been missing in the government's plan to regulate and tax the sale of marijuana and their plan to eradicate those who are doing it outside of the law? Whether you want CAFE to stay open or not, you have to wonder, how much money is at stake here for it to be worth this monumental hassle to keep CAFE open? Also, I'm just going to ask it, why can't the cops stop a bunch of pot dealers? from opening up the exact same locations again and again and again. Are we missing something here? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, and this is The Big Story. Adrian Gobriel is a reporter at City News in Toronto, where he has spent a lot of time on the marijuana beat. Hi, Adrian. Hello. Thanks so much. I have uh, just just a few stories here and there. (laughs) Um, So we'll start with the focus of our attention today, but there's a much bigger discussion to be had here. So first of all, for people who aren't uh, in Toronto, but might have similar things in their cities and towns, what are the cafe shops? Cafe is a brand, if you will, uh, of four shops in the city of Toronto that have been making headlines recently. They, uh, when a lot of other shops have, have closed down, when I say shops, we're talking illegal dispensaries, they have been defiant. And they've been around for about three years when we saw a big wave of, of dispensaries move in pre-legalization. Right. Their first flagship was on Fort York in, it's a city, in city Place, which is, uh, for those who don't live in Toronto, is uh, a dense neighborhood, one of, the, one of uh, the largest condo dwelling populations in the city of Toronto. And they've had a, a storefront there. They've moved to have one uh, midtown. They've got a couple more uptown in the northwest of the city. And they have been operating uh, with their own rules and regulations for some time now. And what are they like, both on the outside and the inside? Because I think sometimes when we talk about dispensaries, we have an image in our head of like a shady little storefront that you walk into and some guy hands you some pot. For sure. No, these are slick operations. They are well put together. 
You go inside, you know, true to their name, especially now. I know they've done some renovations over the years. It has a real nice cafe feel to it. You know, nice lighting, nice light fixtures. Your point of sale is on an iPad. It's all very slick, very well operated. It's not, doesn't feel like you're walking into some shady place. And the people that are, are visiting the illegal dispensaries are from all walks of life, anyone and everyone. So what was Cafe opened three years ago among hundreds of dispensaries that opened, and a lot of those are gone. What was supposed to happen to these dispensaries uh, last October 17th when pot became legal? Well, they were supposed to, if you're going to speak to the city and to the, the, the province and the feds, they were all supposed to shut down. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to work within the rules that each province had put in place. And here in Toronto, that meant shutting up shop, and you're only opening up if you are granted a license and go into this lottery that they have here in the province t- to get one. Many did. A place like Cafe, though, has said, no, we're not going to work by those rules. Why did they do that? You know, I, I think it, it could be twofold. You know, be careful how much I'm going to speak for them. Right. But even just from the social media comments I see, for example, uh, on stories that I've done when it pertains to Cafe, a lot of people are like, good for them. You know, the, it's a broken system. That is the overwhelming feeling from lots of people in the province of Ontario. Uh, You know, only a select few have so far gotten the license. There is a massive demand for this. And so, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to stay open. Then on the flip coin or the flip side of the coin, they're making boatloads of money. The city of Toronto says just from what they've been able to tell when they've gone in and shut down these shops repeatedly from what they can tell from the point of sale each day, each one of these locations is doing uh, thirty to fifty thousand dollars, wow. and that's just what they can tell. I have a sneaking suspicion that that might be a little bit more. You know, this isn't—they're uh, not operating, you know, on visas and uh, you know taxes. Like, there's a lot of cash exchanging hands here that might not be punched into a register. I think it would be fair to fair to say. So, what happened right after legalization to these shops? What did police do when they just decided to stay open? Yeah, well, the police moved in and they moved in aggressively. Even. It was kind of, it was interesting, even before legalization, well before, we're going back three summers plus, Mm -hmm. I spoke to the chief of police when we had, I think the count was somewhere north of 200 illegal dispensaries in Toronto. And uh, I was working a weekend and I was at a charity event where the chief was at and I went there to to speak with Toronto's chief of police, uh, Mark Saunders, and I said, you know, what are you going to do? And his answer at the time was, well, really, what's the point of going in and raiding these shops? If the charges are going to be thrown out in court once legalization happens, Hmm. if people in their community have a real issue and a real complaint, then contact us and we'll act accordingly. But otherwise, it's a hands-off approach. Now, we now know what he said on that day to me did not happen. A couple months later, police went in aggressively, pre-legalization, and started shutting down shops. And then once legalization happened, again, another wave of busts. And this is Toronto police going in. And they're, they're banging down doors, they're dragging people out, and they're placing people under arrest and heavy fines. It's provincial offenses were, were handed out. And a lot of places, you know, they almost gave some places a bit of a warning. Hey, you have until, you know, day X, get out of, get out of town. Forget, right. forget, what, stop what you're doing. And most places did, some haven't. And what did police then do to the ones that haven't? Like, let's say a month or two after legalization, so last Mm, December, January. What were they doing to cafe? It's my understanding that they have continued to go and try to shut down these places. And police have almost taken a a backseat to how uh, enforcement is taking place when it comes to cafe. 
the city of Toronto has gotten their bylaw, municipal license and standards, the bylaw division has gotten, okay. been granted special powers by the province so they can go in and hand out provincial offenses. Now, these, so these bylaw officers can act as police. They can hand out tickets. They just can't cuff, arrest, and detain. So police go, a couple officers go, at almost in the supporting cast, if, mm-hmm. if you will, and these bylaw officers, there's a team of nine of them, have gone in, and they've shut them down once, and then the cafe opens again, and they've shut them down again, and it keeps on opening. They've tried to bar the doors. They've changed the locks. They've put up steel doors, and each time, cafe has found a way to breach these locks, break down these doors. In some cases, they've been kicking them down. In other cases, they've been going through adjoining units, through the drywall, and coming in and reopening. That's what the city will tell you is happening. So what kinds of justifications has CAFE given when they're shut down to say, no, no, you can't do this? It's my understanding they've been trying to use a bit of a loophole and they've had a resident living in each one of these locations. So you can't go in, you can't bar the doors, you can't change the locks because there's someone living in here. Right. There's also been the argument that what uh, the city of Toronto has been trying to do is it could be a fire hazard. Should there be a fire in the location and Toronto Fire can't get in, you know, because there's been a massive steel door or bars or worse, 4,000 pound concrete blocks placed in front of the entrance. And those blocks uh, are, are pretty interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk about them in just a minute. But I want to sort of go back to the idea of enforcement in the months afterwards. So I know that a lot of places, like you said, packed up and went home. Some, including Cafe, stayed open. And there are some that were kind of like Cafe. There was one uh, near my house that your colleague Shauna Hunt covered in which they reopened, they were closed, they reopened, they were closed. And I think it was the third time when they were finally like, all right, you know what? (laughs) It's not working and now it's for lease. How many of these dispensaries are left? Like, how many have stuck it out after, like, four or five closures? Do we have any idea? The city of Toronto believes there's around a dozen, 10 or 12, still operating in the city. I would challenge that number, though, because I know that there's lots of dispensaries that are operating in the back of what appears to be legitimate businesses in the front that maybe aren't even a coffee shop. And if you know, if you live in the neighborhood, you go by, there's a guy at the front door who just appears to be hanging out, and you're ushered through a curtain and into the back. On legalization day, I went and visited one of those and was brought into the back and, and, and spoke with the owners there. So the city says they know of 10 or 12. I don't think there's 100 still in the city, but I would guess that we're, there's still dozens. Why do you think CAFE has kind of become the face of this resistance to legalization? The creative ways, really, when it comes down to it, the creative ways that they have reopened, you know, in defiance and... Because it's a slick operation, they have a a large amount of people going each and every day. They've got a lot of support. Uh, They've done some smart marketing. And some people, you know, right or wrong, love seeing the middle finger being, you know, thrown towards the authorities and saying, you know what, you guys have legalized marijuana, but we're still working. You know, it's still almost like prohibition. Right. Things haven't really it's a, it's a, it's a two tier system, a broken system, call it what you will. And you know, God damn it, we're going to get our weed. And people kind of have rallied around that in the creative ways that cafe, uh, has, has reopened time and time again. Now the city of Toronto, when speaking with them last week, I said, do you know who's operating cafe? You know, because they're, they're, you know, the city will say, you know, they're facing big fines and every time they go in, 
you know, people that are inside the shop selling weed are issued a fine. Could be $10,000, could be more. But have they actually found the people operating? Right. They think they have an idea who it is, but the top person operating cafe or the, you know, people operating cafe from above have never been issued a fine. So what happened over the past week? Because this all kind of came to a head over the last seven days. Yeah, it really did. You know, the the city, uh, and they will tell you that they don't believe any other municipality has ever done this. They brought in these 4,000-pound concrete blocks, and they placed them in front of each of the cafe locations, in front of the windows, in front of the front doors. And they said, you know what? This is it. We're taking a stand. This isn't happening anymore. And cafe went at one of their locations on Harbor Street and brought in machinery in the middle of the night and moved the blocks, <laughs> moved them to the side, and were open for business again. So they clearly had to go and get this machinery and like... Which speaks to how organized they are a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's not, you, not everyone can, you know, within 12 hours find the proper uh, machinery to lift these 4,000 pounds. This is not your neighborhood weed dealer. No, no, this is not. And the scene outside of this one that they reopened, it was like a, like a street party. You know, I went to one of the other closed down locations uh, at Bloor and Ossington, and uh, they had people outside of that one going, you know, sorry, just wait a second. We've got a shuttle coming for you. The shuttle is a black car service. You're getting picked up in a Cadillac or a luxury suburban. They're driving you from the northwest of the city down to Harvard Street. You hop out, you go inside, you get your weed, you come back out. Your black car service is waiting for you to drive you back to your neighborhood. Really? And then... And it was so packed on Harvard Street, it was like Saturday morning at the deli counter. They're screaming out the door, number 13, number 13, because they can't, they don't have enough room inside for everyone. So they're taking numbers and you go inside. And, you know, when we're talking about sales during any given day, I don't know for sure what they sold that day, but I'm going to guess it was, it had to have been close to, if not surpassing six figures. So the obvious question that occurs to me is why weren't police there then shutting that down? And that's a great question. And I can't speak for police. And speaking with the city last week, you know, they had said that they are now taking the lead. Their bylaw officers are taking the lead. Okay. And police are in a supporting role because police resources are strapped. Now, they went in and they closed down Harvard again. That location that they, uh, that they had reopened with these big blocks and moving, moving them they aside. Just, did they move the blocks back? That appears to be what's happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the city says that they have other means to that they've got a couple other tricks up their sleeve. Now, what we saw this, this weekend in Toronto outside of the cafe locations was cafes saying, okay, we can't get in to our shop. We're going to sell on the sidewalk right outside of our stores where people are showing up to come and purchase. So yesterday at multiple locations, they had individuals standing outside with an iPad. I know for City Place, for sure, they had someone standing outside with an iPad. And... You would place your order with that individual. They tell you to wait 15 minutes. Someone, and I was told up in a condo in the area of City Place, was bagging the weed. They run it down from the condo 15 minutes later, and you get your weed and off you go. Isn't that like coming full circle back to like selling bags of pot on the street that this whole legalization thing was supposed to end? It has completely come full circle. And that is, and yesterday police did then step in, and eight people were arrested and charged. And they were detained because this wasn't bylaw officers showing up, handing out right, very selling expensive drugs tickets. On the street. It's selling drugs on the street. And people in the City Place neighborhood area residents were ticked off. I, I was sent one video of a woman who was filming them 
selling the marijuana on the street. She's screaming it's illegal. Everyone else is going, it's not illegal, you know, and you've got this, this, these tensions boiling over in neighborhoods, and it's like, where does this end? Where do we go from here? Well, yeah, I guess I want to know if we're ever going to get to the point where we probably envisioned we would when we legalized pot, where it's available enough and cheap enough and regulated enough that you don't need these dispensaries. I mean, you've talked to folks in the black market since legalization. How are they doing? Is it just cafe? It's not just cafe. And uh, last week I sat down with an underground drug dealer who moves large quantities of marijuana, some for these illegal dispensaries, some for his own personal clients. And he said his business is booming. It's only gone up since legalization, where someone might have come before and picked up a couple grams, they're now coming in order an ounce hmm. because they can or because there's more of their friends smoking it. He says some of his larger clients that are distributing on a, on a bigger scale where they would have come and asked for two, three pounds, they're now asking for 10, 20, 30 pounds, which is a lot of marijuana. Right. He's, Why is that? Well, when it comes to, you know, the, the legal marijuana dispensaries in the city, the legal means to get it, whether you're going online through the province's websites or you're going to one of the legal dispensaries, my, my black market underground dealer says they, they can't touch my prices, mm. right? And it's the same thing with cafe. Why go somewhere where you're going to spend $70, $80 when you can go elsewhere and spend $30, $40? It's kind of simple economics. And, you know, my underground dealer says, listen, you know, if they want to curb this, if they want to, you know, get rid of the black market, if we want to really start collecting taxes, they need to open up more of these shops to more individuals, drop the rules and regulations about, you know, having to bid on a shop and only opening up, you know, a handful in a city of three million plus. And maybe you'll get some competition. Maybe you'll see prices come down. And the feeling is, is the way things are operating right now, it's just emboldened the black market. You know, if you're the authorities, yes, you're shutting down these storefronts, you're having very public battles with, a, with an, an illegal dispensary like Cafe. But, you know, but behind the curtains, there's lots of other places still operating. There's lots of high-level drug dealers still operating. And for our all intents and purposes, you know, the authorities are almost chasing shadows. They don't know who these people are. And they're not your classic drug dealer, you know, that you might have in your mind. These are, these are you know, people from all walks of life. When you talk to uh, some of the folks kind of operating on the fringes or on the black market, do you get the sense or do they even say that if the regulations were opened up, that they would go into business legitimately, that they would like to be a part of that? It's kind of a split from those I've spoken with. Some say, yeah, we would, we would like a fair shake on this. We would like to be part of it. We would like to contribute. We would like to pay taxes. We'd like to be able to freely sell our marijuana online because that's where a, a massive market of right. this is that we haven't even touched on yet. And then others are like, mm, not so sure. Have the cafe people, the people running cafe, applied for a legitimate license with the province of Ontario when they had the opportunity to? I don't believe they have. They may have, but I don't think so. Do we know what comes next if the government is considering opening it up more widely or if they're considering cracking down, do we have an idea of where they're going with this? Because they can't be happy with how this is playing either. Yeah, they, they can't be. I don't, I, I don't know what their next step is. I heard an interesting thing from the city of Toronto's bylaw department. Their chief operating, you know, investigative director said he's angry at the feds 
He says that they legalized marijuana and opened up the floodgates before there was enough supply to properly supply the market at these legal dispensaries at the provincial websites. And he believes that's one reason why people are being pushed to the black market because there's, there's just not enough stock, you know, in the legal realm. You know, do they need more growers? Do they need more to open up the rules and regulations for people growing marijuana? I know one issue when it comes to the amount of stock that we have in the country as a whole is a lot of people, you know, growing marijuana, A, is not an easy thing to do. And a lot of really good growers have criminal records because they were growing for medicinal purposes way back when, and they got busted, and they got rounded up. Right. So their expertise can't be used. And you've got, you know, people, scientists, whatnot, you know, working on the legal realm of things, and maybe they're not able to grow as much. I'm not sure. Finally, um, the police cracked down this weekend. They arrested eight people from CAFE. It's Monday now, uh, around noon, that we're talking to you. Is CAFE going to reopen again? Will they be selling it today, tomorrow? I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they are reopened by tonight or by tomorrow. Maybe they find a different storefront and start operating. Maybe they're not in the business of moving 4,000-pound blocks <laughs> or selling on the street corners. But, you know, they, they've made so much money. Illegal dispensaries have made so much money. What's to stop them from going across the street? and renting out another space, or buying a space, or, you know, contacting their clientele and supplying them in a different manner. You know, you can go on Weed Maps, for example, and you can, you know, they've got, a, they've got their menu and prices on Weed Maps. There's a slew of other delivery services that you can mm -hmm. get in the city of Toronto and across the country. I, I see them perhaps moving in a different direction to evade authorities, continue to make money, and continuing to supply the demand that is just growing each and every day. Adrian Gobriel, City News Toronto, where legalization is going real well. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. My pleasure. That was The Big Story. You can find more at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You go all the way back to October of last year, you will hear exactly what we thought was going to happen after legalization and how wrong we were. You can also talk to us at The Big Story FPN on Twitter. You can find us and all our brother and sister shows on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. And of course, everywhere you get podcasts on Apple, on Google, on Stitcher, on Spotify. We are there and you can subscribe for free. We'd love a rating. We'd love a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.